Hello, I'm Amber Athey, Washington editor of The Spectator, and I'm here to tell you about our fantastic new election offer. Go to spectator.us slash election offer and subscribe to get three months free access to The Spectator US website and our new app available on the Apple and Google Play stores. Make sure you're getting the very best coverage and commentary in the run-up to November 3rd. Find out more at spectator.us slash election offer. Hello and welcome to the Americano podcast. This is an election year. Will Donald Trump be re-elected? What is going on with the Democrats? And has America gone even more crazy? We'll be discussing all of these things and more, more than once a week, because we don't feel you have enough Americano in your life. I'm joined this morning by Kate Andrews, The Spectator's economics correspondent, and we're going to be talking about last night's first presidential TV debate between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. We both stayed up quite late watching it. I think it's fair to say it was a horror show. It was horrendous, Freddie. It was painful. The back of my left eye hurts, and I'm hoping that was from the debate and not something more serious, but the debate was pretty seriously bad. It was uncomfortable. It was angry. It wasn't a debate. It's really hard to believe that any hearts and minds were swayed watching the two of them go at each other. The president was significantly ruder than Joe Biden was, but in order to rise to the occasion, you had things coming out of Joe Biden's mouth that didn't feel right telling the president to shut up, calling him a clown. It Yeah. You mean sink to the occasion. Sink to the occasion. You're right. You're right. He very it was very much a sinking process, wasn't it? Nobody really rose above it. Arguably not even the moderator, Chris Wallace. That said, I do think coming out of it that the Biden camp will probably be happy with the performance. Not that Joe Biden was spectacular, even that he landed many punches on Trump, I don't think he did. But given that All of the chat was Joe Biden can't get through this. He's essentially senile. Obviously, he wasn't. He had some strong moments. There was a really nice moment when he talked about what unified Americans that sort of spoke to that traditional American way. And I can't think of a single thing that Donald Trump said last night that would have felt connected to the American people in the same way. Well, I mean, a lot of people will have tuned in. The exact figures I don't think are in yet. But a lot of people probably would have tuned out quite quickly. And and what we'll remember from these debates in the coming weeks and what always happens is the sort of the key moments, the zingers. And I think as sort of um, presidential politics dives into the mire, (laughs) I think these zingers, you know, the ruder the zinger in a way, the better. And I would say, I think you might disagree with me here, I would say Biden maybe had the better of the zingers when he called Trump a clown. You get the final word. Well, it's hard to get any word in with this clown. He quickly pretended that he didn't mean that. He said, oh, what am I saying or something, which I think is one of the few times where Joe Biden said what he meant to say. <laughs> he also told them to shut up. There was a few sort of tough guy zingers from Biden. And I think Biden's insults generally sounded a bit more heartfelt, whereas Trump's just sounded nasty. Trump did sound nasty. Absolutely. I think the moment that Trump could have had was taken away from him by the moderator. When he put to Joe Biden a question, he said, which groups and organizations that support law and order have backed your campaign? And there was some mumbling, we don't have time for this. And it could have been a real moment, I think, in that debate. Everybody went quiet for a second. We were waiting for the answer. And it didn't have to come. So I I think Trump tried to set up a few of those moments, but arguably they fell flat. 
Let's talk about the moderator, because Chris Wallace, because he has, is getting a lot of flack, particularly from the Trump side, who felt that he was horribly biased. Trump has already tweeted a picture of himself versus Wallace and Biden, as though he had to take them both on. Do you think he just struggled, or do you think he did have little moments of bias against Trump? Look, it was a very tough situation for any moderator to be in. I think he did a really good job considering the circumstances. And there's no doubt that, well, Biden and Trump were both interrupting each other. Trump was much more aggressive about it and doing it much more frequently. So I don't think it's surprising that Chris Wallace was coming back on Trump more than he was on Joe Biden. I will say, though, when you sign up to these debates, you know, a very coveted spot that many presenters would love to have. I think you have to know what you're signing up for. We've been through 2016. We saw what Donald Trump did in those debates versus Hillary Clinton. So it shouldn't have been a surprise that the president was a challenge. But look, it it suits Trump's narrative to suggest that Wallace was his enemy as much as Biden was, I think for two reasons. First of all, and you've spoken to this in your columns, Freddie, we know that Trump would like to run against the Democratic governors and local officials. He referenced them a lot in the debates last Last night as if they were the problem because they're easier to attack than Joe Biden. I think that's probably true for Chris Wallace in some ways as well. And of course, this narrative that the media is out against him, it feeds into the culture war, it feeds into the fact that he's still the underdog, and that really rallies up his base. And of course, Wallace, although I think he, he doesn't like Trump, it, it sort of seems quite obvious that he is going to be the most impartial moderator, right. probably, <laughs> Uh, it was Fox News last uh, night. It was Fox News's turn last night. I mean, I'd say with on Wallace that he made a mistake in that he tried to treat it like a proper debate when it was actually a sort of cage fight between two old men, a cage fight in a nursing home. And you <laughs> that can't, nobody wanted to watch. And nobody wanted to watch. But at, at a certain <laughs> but we point, did. you've just got to throw your hands up and say, this is a car crash and people quite like watching car crashes. Sure, I think that's true. But I think Chris Wallace also knew that all of his peers and and all of his colleagues, uh, you know, across the media spectrum, would be looking to his performance and expecting him to hold both men accountable. I mean, Trump, for the very, very obvious reasons, and, you know, we've watched the media tear into him, and I I don't necessarily say that as a bad thing. I think it's a good thing to scrutinize the person in charge for the past four years. But Joe Biden has decades worth of a record to dig into as well. I think that's an area where the president may have made a, a bit of an error. He interrupted so much, even when Joe Biden was being asked relatively tough questions about his track record on the economy, on criminal justice reform, a lot of which isn't fantastic. And so arguably Joe Biden could have slipped up if Trump had actually given him the opportunity to do so. Perhaps a lot of people have gone away thinking, oh, I'd like to hear more of what Joe Biden has to say. He got cut off so many times. And maybe if they had heard it, they wouldn't have liked it as much. That's a good point, because Trump's strength has always been he's a counterpuncher. And certainly in 2016, particularly in the second debate against Hillary Clinton, it was the comeback lines that really stuck with people. And this time he was not counterpunching. He was just brawling. He was just punching. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> ev- everywhere, everything. Headbutting. It was very intense. And so, yeah, it's, it's very hard to come out of that debate and think that we learned or gleaned any new information about these candidates. I will say in Trump's favor, the area where he was so obviously strongest was on the economy. It was also clear that he was on top of those facts and stats in a way that, you know, we know that the president likes to over-exaggerate, to put it mildly in a lot of areas, especially when he doesn't have that information at his fingertips. But you could tell that he was very defensive of the very strong American economy that under his leadership was grown over the past three years and taken away so quickly because of COVID-19. And if you had had an American debate which broke 
down different topics, doing a debate on the economy, a debate on, say, foreign policy, or, and a debate on, on social issues, then I, I think Donald Trump on the economic front probably would have done much better. But it just got muddled, didn't it? It was, you know, it's hard to keep track on what topic we were on. Well, yes, I certainly found it hard to keep track of. I mean, I think there is a contradiction in Biden's arguments against Trump, which is, one, that you didn't shut down the economy soon enough for COVID, and two, we're in this terrible financial uh, mess because of you. Trump could have responded to that quite effectively and said, well, which one, you know, which one do you want me to do? But he's not quite subtle enough or adept enough a thinker to do that. He wasn't listening. I mean, neither no. were listening to each other. They were just saying what they wanted to say when they weren't screaming over no, each other. And, and Trump didn't pick up on the only real gaffe that Joe Biden made, which was when he said a, a 9-11 call instead of a 9 call. Yeah. Biden was stumbling a bit, right? He had to roll back quite a few of his words. He just was nowhere near as slick as we know he would have been four, eight years ago. But because all of the chat had been that he wasn't going to be able to perform, I think his team will think that he exceeded expectations. He was speaking to the camera. He was speaking to the American people. There were some really nice moments in there for him, actually, whereas Trump was yelling and defending himself. And uh, Frank Luntz, the quite famous pollster in America, put it really well on Twitter when he said Trump was defending himself, not the American people. And a lot of what people liked about Trump in 2016, and I'm sure many people still like now, is the fact that they think he does speak for them. And last night, Joe Biden was, whether you agreed with him or not, was the candidate trying to speak on behalf of the American people. I agree. And I think the bits to camera were the only time where you felt either of the candidates was engaging with the audience and Biden was the only person doing that. Like it was for us, which it, it is supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, exactly. And I think Trump, it's, it's hubris in a way, in as much as we understand he hasn't really been prepping for these events because he's such a great rogue genius. Whereas Biden does seem to have prepped quite hard. And even though he's still not very good and not mentally very agile, he was able to say some of the lines he'd rehearsed. Yeah, he was. And actually, there were a few off-the-cuff moments where I thought he was a bit bold when Trump was pushing him on the Green New Deal. Biden flipped that on its head and he said, I don't support the Green New Deal. There's no umming or awing around it. And that will upset the far left of, of the base that probably is still casting their vote for Joe Biden. But he was very clear last night that he wasn't going to be as radical as the president wanted to make him out to be. And you could tell, actually, the president uh, surely wished that he was debating one of the more radical candidates because he would be able to levy those accusations. Um, Joe Biden during the primaries really stuck out as the one candidate who would not back Medicare for all. He was very explicit that it wasn't realistic, it wasn't affordable, and it wasn't the right system. So when Trump went in on him on socialized medicine, I'm I'm sure it, it does cut through a bit, but not nearly as much if he had actually been up against a candidate who did support fully socialized medicine. And I think it's just that reminder that for all the criticisms of Joe Biden and all the other candidates who came forward, there is an obvious reason that he's the one standing on that stage last night. And that's because he's more in tune with where the vast majority of people on the left are in America, which is towards the center. Let's talk about the wince-inducing hunter Beau moment. Trump went after Hunter, Hunter Biden, Joe's, it seems, rather corrupt son and a recovering drug addict. And it was unpleasant, but he had a good point because his corruption, potential corruption, does tie to Joe Biden's role as vice president. And Biden wanted to talk about his dead son, Beau, and his military service. And then Trump said this savage and really unpleasant line of... I don't know, I don't know, Beau. I know Hunter. Hunter got thrown thrown out of the military. I don't know, Beau. I want to talk about Hunter. How do you think that plays? I mean, I'd imagine, 
and I'm going to sort of make sexist generalisation here, I'd imagine suburban mums, who we hear a lot about in this election, would hear someone saying that about another man's dead son and think that's repellent. I think you're right, and it's important to bring up suburban women because they are a, a big voting bloc that matter a lot in this election, and white women in 2016 gave enough votes to Donald Trump to help get him over the line, but there have been big question marks as to whether or not they would do it this time round. Comments like that are, are just, I'm sorry, I'm actually kind of lost for words. It's it's so hard to imagine being that deeply insensitive. I don't believe that Donald Trump doesn't know about Bo Biden. I don't believe that any human being could care that little about somebody's dead child to, to speak about it in such way. And, and yet Donald Trump did. I don't see anything that he could possibly gain from that. And, you know, Biden kept his composure on it. I'm not sure every person would. I think it was an impressive moment for Joe Biden. And it's it's also just it's a remarkable missed opportunity when we want to talk about criminal justice reform. It is legitimate to say that Joe Biden, it is good that one of your sons has overcome his drug problem. Why did you spend a career helping to lock up the sons and daughters of other parents who had very similar issues to you? Right? There's a that way. Would have been a good line. There's Trump a way prepped. to talk about it. And Trump is tackling criminal justice reform much more so than Joe Biden did when he was in power. There's a way to do it. Being so deeply insensitive on like the most guttural fundamental level about somebody's tragedy there's not a person in the world that can defend it i'm sure across social media across the pundits we'll see people try today but there's not a person in the world who can defend it the point against biden on this is that he denied what seems to be an established fact that hunter hunter received and i mean even the washington post i think has given him pinocchios for that but let's end by let me ask whether you think we shouldn't necessarily blame the candidates. The problem is American politics in that things have become so bitterly polarised now that you really have two candidates trying to speak to two bases that exist in totally different realities. And so in Trump's reality, it's all about Biden's corruption and he's you know the greatest president for African-Americans that's ever existed, apart from possibly Lincoln. And for Biden... He's able to talk about Trump brazenly supporting white supremacists, which I think he just hasn't done. And so they both are painting caricatures of each other and reality and the truth sort of falls somewhere in between. And the independent voter is left wondering what's happened to their country. No, I, I definitely believe that the problem is the political structures that we've created. Arguably over decades, I think you can trace back these growing tensions in the Bush era and the Obama era. I'm not convinced, Freddie, that the bases are as far apart as those two candidates showed last night. And had we actually gotten into some interesting, nuanced details about public policy, we would have seen those differences. I think one of the most amazing things doing this podcast here in the UK is that you've got Biden arguing for huge tax increases and huge amounts of public spending during a pandemic when businesses have been shut down. Donald Trump saying, no, we need my tax cuts. That got nothing, right? That had no engagement. That is a huge issue for the American people. And yet we just had bickering and we just had nastiness and that's where the focus was. I think, you know, if we even look at those bases, they're starting to adopt each other's language. Donald Trump was talking about how his healthcare system would protect the vulnerable as Obama did. Joe Biden's talking about bringing more jobs back to America, America first rhetoric without actually saying the slogan, very much taking that from Trump's base. But even Trump couldn't say that's my that's No, my, I know he couldn't. He wasn't listening. He yes. wasn't listening. There are areas of agreement. And so, I mean, I, I don't think the problem is necessarily that the bases 
they're quite far apart, Freddie, but they're not maybe as far apart as we should have thought they were last night. The problem is just this terrible gutter that American politics has fallen into that there's no humility, there's no understanding of a different point of view, and if somebody else is in power these days that you don't agree with, you have to figure out in which way they are a criminal. I think both sides have become very guilty of that. And Trump has brought out the worst qualities of every single person who engages with him. And as you said at the beginning, quite rightly correcting me, they've lowered standards. We've all sunk to Donald Trump's level. I'm not convinced that simply getting rid of the president will will fix everything. I think we have a long way to go to, to learn how to interact again. But I don't know. I think everyone needs a time out. I think that would be a perfect note to end on. But I do want to actually ask one more question, which is I think next week's debate, the vice presidential debate, will be the one where we actually get some substance and we'll actually get two far more polished performers. Pence is a little bit dull, very dull, I'd say, but he's an accomplished public speaker and not a bad debater. And Kamala Harris, although she says she's struggling in the prep with Pete Buttigieg, which is a worrying thought, she is a legal mind and she can talk on stage. So I think that you'll get a much more interesting debate there. And in fact, it might be much more worth watching than the the bigger one. I think it'll be much more worth watching if you really want to know more insight into the public policies being put forward by both parties. Perhaps the worry for Joe Biden, of course, and again, something Trump just didn't do last night and he had many opportunities to do it is is to flag the differences between Joe's perspective on the world and Kamala's perspective on the world. She is much further to the left. She co-signed the Green New Deal, I believe, that Joe Biden said last night he doesn't support. She called him more or less a racist on stage during the primaries, which she's backtracked on now, but there's some major differences there. It'll be interesting to see to what extent she adopts she adopts the Joe Biden way of the world and to what extent she tries to push her own way of the world. I think a lot of voters, especially independents, thinking that perhaps one day in the near future she could well be the person running the country, what she says will matter. Well, let's discuss it next week. Thanks, Kate. Hello, I'm Amber Athey, Washington editor of The Spectator, and I'm here to tell you about our fantastic new election offer. Go to spectator.us slash election offer and subscribe to get three months free access to The Spectator US website and our new app available on the Apple and Google Play stores. Make sure you're getting the very best coverage and commentary in the run-up to November 3rd. Find out more at spectator.us slash election offer.